Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Hey. Alright, and today we are talking... We're hitting the books once again. And we're talking a classic of science fiction. And that is William Gibson's short story collection, Burning Chrome. Return with us, if you will, to a simpler time when the biggest fear was either mutually assured destruction, communist takeover, or Japanese uber-capitalism. <laughs> All of which has happened. <laughs> In some form or another. That's right. We are living fucking cyberpunk. We are. We are. Well... To I an think, extent, to an extent. I think of all of the classic predictions of science fiction from flying cars to space opera, this probably has come the closest to realization. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. The large society dominated by gigantic corporations and consumerism, uh, the ubiquity of interconnected poverty. electronics <laughs> the ubiquity of poverty and hustling and, to get by that's right i mean the the people in cyberpunk and a lot of the people in these short stories because these stories are not all cyberpunk no there's like four of them that i think are and the rest of them like kind of skirt the the uh the genre and there's a couple that that just are straight up horror stories. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely weird tales of a sort. Um, yeah, I mean, all all every character in here is basically a slave to the gig economy. Yeah, did we say we're we're reading Burning Chrome, or did we just say William Gibson? Uh, we said we were reading Burning Chrome, but just in all case right, so you what, didn't catch. No, it. no, no. I mean, just now. I can't remember if you actually dropped the name of what we were reading. We're reading Burning Chrome. Right. <laughs> Just in case I didn't say it. Right. All right. Now, what edition of Burning Chrome do you have? I see you waving the book around. I have my old one from 1986. Ah. Oh, right. it's the 87 reprint. The 87 it is, reprint? It is the mass marketing paperback. Mass market paperback with the um, with the the weird digital um, like smeared image on the front. Right, right. Now I have the uh, two thousand three uh, edition uh, with the with the new uh, source code introduction that I did not read. Oh well, <laughs> then it doesn't matter, does it? That's right. I probably I probably read it later, uh, but you know it's one of those things that introductions, particularly in a new a new introduction to a, a, an older collection, a lot of times gives you more insight into the stories that are in here. And when you're doing commentary like we do, a lot of times that influences what you say because you know it's like you read the story and you know exactly what Gibson was thinking. When he wrote it. Or the guy who wrote the introduction. Right. Well, it, there's an introduction, a forward from Bruce Sterling, and then there's That's, an introduction by Gibson. That forward from Bruce Sterling is in here. Right. I think that's the original forward. Now, uh, 
you know, we said only a few of these stories are actually cyberpunk, and we were chatting on on Facebook with the rest of the Monday Night Heroes, um, and I had mentioned that uh, Johnny, uh, I can never say this name right, Mnemonic, Mnemonic, uh, made me want to play cyberpunk, and you said Hinterlands made you want to play cyberpunk. Let's start that, and I want to know, you know, your thoughts on Hinterlands and why that drove you to wanting to participate in the genre. Because when I my read through of it, you know, was very science fictiony, very interesting stuff, but didn't really feel cyberpunk to me. Ah, now I will defend this as a cyberpunk story. Possibly not a sprawl story, right? But which is the uh, the the big, you know, that's where when you think of William Gibson and cyberpunk, that's what you think of, like Chiba and like the right the sprawl me- trilogy, mega city, right? That's how you know bridge trilogy, right? <clears throat> so. But this has the airmarks of cyberpunk. You have uh, people interfacing with um, with machines through the use of through the use of drugs. Mm. Um, um, and in this case, it's it's psychoactively interfacing um, with machines mm. um, for some sort of like psychology. Um, we'll get into what the plot is, uh, and you have the people who actually do this are victims of um, the, I guess, the circumstances of the story. Mm-hmm. So to me, that is everything uh, cyberpunk. Um, it's even written in that like semi like nouveau noir style, right. which I think is also um, part of the genre. Um, I think the only difference between that and what we generally think of cyberpunk is it's in space. Right. And it's, it's probably like if you were to date it, it is probably, well, I don't think it's in the, the same universe as the sprawl stuff, but I think that probably takes place considerably later than the, um, the events of like Neuromancer. Hmm. Uh, I mean, a lot of these stories could have taken place in the the same Earth that generated the sprawl in different points in time. Uh, except for the, except for the belonging kind, the belonging kind is one of the outliers. Although I that story was really great. Yeah, I thought that that might have been my favorite story in in the collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. That really is, you know, not part of the the cyberpunk genre. Right, right. That's that's where that, really that belongs in it, weird tales. Right, and it didn't make me want to read um, or want to play cyberpunk. Right. <laughs> maybe Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe some Call of Cthulhu. Um, actually, you know, you, you mentioned Call of Cthulhu. Hinterlands kind of like gave me a more of a Call of Cthulhu vibe. Okay. Hinterlands, so the basic plot of Hinterlands is um, you have the, what they call it, the river, the highway, depending on where you are. It's a wormhole. Mm. And it was discovered by Russians accidentally. 
And anybody who goes through it comes back stark raving mad, but they bring back incredible technology. <laughs> right. So, um, and it's described as kind of like being a cargo cult. The earth has become like a cargo cult beholden to this, to this um, wormhole. And they're trying to figure out how to tra traverse the wormhole without going crazy. Right. Uh, so they can get the goods for themselves. Right? right. Instead of like having to pay this huge price by sending their best and their brightest. Mm. So that's like, kind of like the, the general structure of what's going on. Uh, it centers around uh, someone whose job it is to um, link up psychically with the, the returnees and trying and just grab information from them. Right. And they're also kind of a, they're, they're like a psychological trauma team. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're part trauma team, part, part information extraction. Um, and, and they do it through like um, this huge machine, they interface with the machine through the use of psychoactive drugs and that handlers um it's it's really cool um and i don't want to spoil the ending right <laughs> but but it, it it definitely is it's it's very reminiscent and i wouldn't be surprised if um what's that movie with the spaceship and the oh. gravity drive <laughs> Oh shit! Shit! No. And Lawrence Fishburne. And Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, Event Horizon. Yes, it's 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 very similar to Event Horizon. Yes. Uh, without like the BBEG at the end. Right. There's yeah. no there's no Sam Neill aspect, but um, so it, it's a little bit. It definitely leans more on the traditional science fiction and horror, but it's definitely got that cyberpunk in there and maybe it's just my personal taste but i like to have a little bit of like cosmic horror thrown in um and mystery mm. which is where i just gravitate more with 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 uh science fiction right right so now now you mentioned the the neo-noir and that uh that's one of the appeals to me about cyberpunk in this particular book is that so many of those tales have that noir kind of feeling uh we mentioned the the belonging kind which is very much yes on the one hand it's a horror story but it's also kind of narrated by this guy who's also kind of like the quote-unquote drag of society he's like downtrodden and he's it comes across this mystery you know, there are no good guys. There are no bad guys. Everybody's tainted, and and you kind of go from there. But yeah, stalking stalking someone through, you know, neon lit streets with it raining, and you know, yeah, oh, it it's has it's probably like, the most the most bizarre bar crawl ever. <laughs> it has that forties L.A. kind of feel yeah. to it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but instead of a detective, you have like, well, he is a detective, but he's just working for his own edification as opposed to right. Uh, a day with great tomatoes. Right. She had games that went all the way up. And I, I think that is one of the, the, the key aspects to have to like cyberpunk 
as opposed to just like a science fiction story with a lot of cool like technology. Right. Is you have to have that like neo noir feel to it. Mm. It, it. It's stories of the downtrodden and and the gutter mm. as opposed to stories of the rich. Now the rich are in there. Um, they are mostly antagonists or um, you know just like power that exists on the periphery right. of, of the world that the actual characters are, are moving in, uh, which is why something like um, Hinterlands to me is a cyberpunk story. Whereas the Borg from Star Trek who are like this, this biological machine interface, right? They are the, the epitome of that. But there's absolutely nothing cyberpunk about them. Right, right. And they're they're kind of treated as you know, like like the orcs of the Star Trek universe. Right, but I mean, there, there's like there's there's no there's no conflict in in Borg society, mm-hmm. right? It's a it's it's in a collective, it's right? A, it's a hive mind. And, and even as they interact with the Federation or any other entity in star trek there's there there isn't that that um that power dynamic going on as a matter of fact the borg are non um invulnerable and all powerful Mm. they're like quite the opposite of cyberpunk where uh they're what the ideal you know of what we want technology to be a ridiculous ideal but they are an ideal Mm. um they are the singularity Right, whereas uh, William Gibson looks at you know how technology really oppresses people, mm-hmm. and and how it's uh, hoarded, how like the it's you know the technology, the the techniques, and the the money you make off of it, and the power it represents is hoarded by the wealthy, mm-hmm. um, and you know the 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 uh, cowboys. And, and the punks, they have to like get by on the scraps and and use their wits mm. and, and and guile to uh, eke out something from that. Right, right. They it's like you see it a lot in um, in Burning Chrome, the title story, which is at the end of the book. Uh, mm-hmm. You also see it in uh, oh, let's dogfight, dogfight, uh, winter market. Yeah, well, Winter Market is <laughs> Winter Market may, may as well have been um, the Maltese Falcon mm. with, uh, with you know in science fiction land, right? Yeah, the Winter the Winter Market was kind of an interesting story, but you see a lot of these these protagonists in these Gibson stories, the punks and cowboys and stuff like that. <clears throat> Making do on the dregs of the in the castoffs of um the the wealthy corporate elite with their fancy chrome and stuff like that and everybody else's uh you know they're they've got cybernetic arms too but they're kind of made out of junk or they were you know fighting in a rich man's war and they were kind of owed it right well and and you you look at the 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 equipment that they have to use um, the, the character from um, 
dogfight. Uh, he is like the lowest of the low. He's a piece of shit. Mm. And the, he's a, he's, he's a pro he's, boy. He's not even a, a thief. He's a shoplifter. He's a serial shoplifter. Mm-hmm. And he gets his hand on like a really shitty um, deck that he wants to use. And he tries to pawn it off on like a, on a college girl. And she, she laughs at him more or less because like she wipes her ass with that kind of technology. Right. Right. But to him, like it's, it's like, it's his next meal. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. See, she's running, she's running with a custom, with custom built PC master race shit. And he's playing with a uh, master cube one, right. you know, one X or something like that. You know, the, the, the knockoffs. Uh, and that's also interesting in that that actually is a story about gaming. It is a story about gaming, um, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that one, um, you have this game called, uh, what is it? Spads versus Fockers. Yep. And it's more or less aces, aces high kind of thing. Blue Max. In fact, when yeah. uh, they talked about actually the prize of the champion being Blue Mat, the Blue Max, I looked over at my shelf and saw Blue Max, the board game, sitting up there. Right. So, <laughs> I was like, I know this game. I've played this game, but it's a three-dimensional, um, you know, holographic computer game. Right, and it's like every it's controlled not by your fingers or keyboard presses or anything. The the planes operate at the speed of thought so you're basically just staring at the opponent and willing your your three-dimensional holographic game pieces to be moving which is just absolutely amazing if that game actually exists i would play the shit out of it (laughs) well i mean really there's very little difference between like what they have for video games these days and that um you know, okay, it's not the speed of thought, right? But it's eventually it'll probably get there, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, with virtual reality and stuff like that. Once they find out how to actually um, get the trodes to work, mm-hmm. tr- trodes in in this case are electrodes that attach you to the uh, to your deck, right? Directly to your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once, once somebody figures out how to do that, it's It's over. <laughs> yep. It, it is. It is. Um, there's, there's also, uh, you have the story of, uh, Red Star Winter Orbit with, uh, that he wrote with Bruce Sterling. Uh, or, famously they wrote together the difference engine. Which actually is, is a really good book. Yeah, I, I I enjoy the difference engine too. It is like it's, it's like the only, it's the only one of that genre I really. Yeah, it's like. the only the it's it's cyberpunk and steampunk rolled into one. It's it's a steampunk book. It, it might be the first steampunk book like that's been labeled that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the only one I could stand. <laughs> I really don't like that genre. Sorry. I don't know. No, I understand. Well, imperialism, the glorification of imperialism. Yeah, I just, you know, 
Victorian England can kiss my ass. Right. The, just the aesthetics of it just really don't appeal to me. Yeah, I mean, and, and cyberpunk is kind of the other extreme to that Victorian, uh, you know, I, I think the joke has been made that steampunk is so white. Uh, Milton Davis, famously, uh, he's got an entire steampunk series that is the steampunk genre looked at through an African diaspora lens. Uh, but in general, when you get to cyberpunk, you know, it's, it's, that's the transhuman resolution there. I mean, Johnny Mnemonic in the very beginning, you know, he's got a new face, plastic surgery and, uh, the, all the rage was getting some epicanthic folds around your eyes because the big superstar I idol, there's a little bit of idol culture that filters in through. Cyberpunk. Well, that's because. That is squarely in the sprawl. That story, yeah. Um, Molly Millions is is one of the characters, and she shows up in Neuromancer, mm-hmm. which is why she uh, wasn't in the movie, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, they had to change the character because Molly Millions was part of a neuro- possible Neuromancer. I hate fucking movies. Yeah. Anyway, um, but in in the sprawl, Japan is the superpower. Right. And uh, as America was probably on our way down at one point um, in the 80s, <laughs> yep. the uh, the pinnacle of, of culture mm-hmm. exporting. I mean, one of the things that America exports is culture. Right. Um, rap music, movies, um, shit, man. Science fiction Fucking- novels. Science fiction, yeah. We 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 export a lot of culture, and um, in in the sprawl, it's Japan who fills that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you're 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 going to get um, Epicampal f- folds in your eyes. Yeah, you're gonna um, you're gonna Ziggy Stardust the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. Screwed up ear and screwed screwed down eyes and screwed up hair, dude. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely, and I mean, they talk about the uh, the sisters that guard the door at the club, mm-hmm. and you know, it's... shit, and they could deal with a with a dolphin, yeah, <laughs> addicted to heroin, right? That the the government got them addicted to heroin because that was the only way to keep them in line. I mean, there's some real hardcore cynicism going on in in these stories that is really pertinent to the world we live in today. Yeah. And they, I mean, they were written in the 80s, 70s and 80s. Um, and William Gibson is Canadian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, he, he definitely has a cynical eye of American culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, which I don't even, I don't even think the most cynical of American writers of note um, really drop drop hints like that. Right, right. And then you have uh, the Gernsback Continuum, uh, which is really interesting story in itself because it is a indictment of retrofuturism, which is kind of 
what cyberpunk is these days. I mean, we think about it in terms of, yeah. I mean, we look at something like Cyberpunk 2077, but it's a it's a 2077 that spawned out of the vision of the 80s future. Yeah, but now, unfortunately, that can't be helped. Right. I mean, these none of these writers exist in a background in a in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. So you know you're gonna go with what you got. Right. Like Gamma World is mm-hmm. is like a nineteen fifties ish kind of vision of the future, right? Yeah, that Gamma World, Thundar the Barbarian kind of uh, Fallout, Fallout sort of thing. Right? Fallout you know, is interesting because Fallout is the uh, a post apocalyptic nineteen fifties style future, right? Um, and just like the Gernsback Continuum, that nineteen 19- 50s, yeah, like a Ray well, the Gothic kind of thing. Yeah, that was more of a um, an op art. Yeah, kind of a a future. Now you know, truth be told, I really kind of dig that 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 Ray Gun Gothic sort of thing, just because it's it's funky and you know goofy and not so serious. You know, unlike yeah. you know the it's the it's Silver Age science fiction. Right, but I mean, at the time, it was serious. Yeah, at the time, it was very serious. We were supposed to have, you know, nuclear-powered rocket ships that look like giant penises with wings. (laughs) Bubble helmets and spandex spacesuits. I don't know if you've ever actually looked at the art from Massive Nyarlathotep, Um, but if you get a chance, go look at a picture of the rocket that you guys uh, um, sabotaged. Looks just like that. Yeah, I mean that's what it is. It's you know I, I'm sorry, but it's a it's a great story, mm. haunted by a future that doesn't exist. It's a really uh, cool yeah. concept story. Yeah, but I, you can't really blame somebody in in the 40s for writing science fiction the way that their culture um, kind of pushed it. Mm. No, no, <laughs> just. No, no I mean, eventually it's going to become 1984, right? <laughs> right, right. And and you 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 know you take that with a grain of salt. It's not like a huge deal that like you know a year came by and the things that happened that were predicted to happen in that year by Isaac Asimov didn't happen. Who fucking cares? Right. That's and, that's you know, not a point of of you know science fiction. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I, well, it is kind of one of the points, but like the story itself still remains valid. Should right. we play Traveler, which has like technology imagined from the seventies? Yep. Yep. Like computers the size of houses and in, in spaceships. Mm-hmm. That uh, and it's also got that uh, that kind of seventies aesthetic aesthetic that you saw in science fiction of the used future. Yeah, so... So, you know, so it's like Alien and Battlestar Galactica and, to an extent, Star Wars um, and those types of science fiction films. If you updated that stuff, it wouldn't be the same. No. Um, And even, even like, Cyberpunk uh, Red, which is the current game Mm -hmm. version, uh, they 
talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And they talk about how um, in the 80s they predicted blah, blah, blah. And, and they roll with it a little bit to kind of update it because it's a game. Mm. But even, even so, I think that I think that kind of takes away a little bit of it. Well, you know, you, know, you, you do have to, in one way, kind of update the, the world to kind of conform a little bit more to our social norms as our social norms have kind of changed since the eighties. Um, but yeah, I think, I think something like cyberpunk red or even the 2077 video game, uh, would not be the same kind of world if they reimagined it without the neon and the bright colors and stuff like that. That's, that's part of the aesthetic of, of cyberpunk. It's like taking the, taking the brass and, and uh, leather out of steampunk, you know, or the grease and trench coats out of diesel punk. It's just, it, it doesn't work that way. It's the whole, the whole idea of the genre, the quote unquote punk genres is the aesthetic, the visual aesthetic that goes along with it as well. I, I'd agree. So anyway, uh, I like the, 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 is it Gernsback or Greensback? Gernsback Continuum. Gernsback Continuum. I like that story a lot, but mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I kind of get he's trying to like, um, kind of wag his finger at his predecessors. Yeah. But, you know, it's, you know, 40 years since this has been written and right. we get to wag a little, a little bit, not as much. Right. Uh, um, cause a lot of the things that happen like technology wise and socially, um, definitely, um, have, I won't say come to pass, but, um, are similar. Yep. Income inequalities are, well, I mean, it's not like that was a, a hard bet though. No, that's not a hard bet, but, <laughs> but I mean, the society is like you said in the beginning, the society that we live in now is a lot closer to cyberpunk than it is to a lot of other science fiction authors, visions of the future. Well, that's definitely true. And I think that's because, um, a, a lot of cyberpunk just is cynical. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since the eighties, um, we've just gone downhill, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, inequality, um, the, the amount of resources that are concentrated in um, the amount of people is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and yeah, we, we are uh, using up our resources. Mm-hmm. So there's less to go around. And I think, you know, in the eighties, it was easy to see that because the eighties was just open, open greed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe the nineties might've like, glossed over that a little bit but it was definitely still there mm. and now we've been in the trump era where truth doesn't matter and you can say what you want and it has just as much weight as actual facts mm. and everyone's an embarrassed millionaire so so they're all into like uh to <laughs> i i got mine fuck you right right I mean, we definitely live in, in cynical times. Bunch of console cowboys sticking it to fucking Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. 
until until in, until we find out in true cyberpunk fashion that all of these guys was played by another hedge fund manager who made a pile. That's true. Or it crashes. Thing. It crashes the stock market and everybody like loses everything, except for him. Right. But who cares? Right. Exactly. So there it is, uh, kind of a meandering look at an excellent collection of short stories of William Gibson's Burning Chrome. Definitely, if you haven't read it, check it out. If you haven't read it recently, if you haven't read it recently, keep 30 luck notes. There you go. (laughs) 